just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, for me, it was a matter of Virginia getting smacked in the mouth and not responding. And well. I think I think the big thing was is that the big the biggest con against Virginia all year <clears throat> was that they didn't have one player who could take over a game and dominate. And most teams you see have that one guy that can take over that game. And Kyle Guy is not obviously not that guy that can take over the game right. and just dominate UMBC. And that's something that Virginia lacks. And you know, th- looking back at it, you know, we all thought Virginia was one of the best, if not the best, and rightfully so. They had two losses, and they won the ACC tournament, and they look like the best defense in the country. And then UMBC just comes in and <clears throat> literally just breaks it apart and, and walks away with it. Well, yeah. Easy win. Yeah, and this game is an anomaly. Like, everyone knows that. There's no question about it. When you're the best defense in the country, and Virginia is and was the best defense in the country. Amazing. But you give up 53 points to UMBC in the second half of a game. They right. shot 54% from the field. They shot 50% from three. That's not Virginia basketball. So it's an anomaly. I don't think it's... it's um, yeah. A showing it's, of them as the as the team they are. Yeah, it, it is totally an anomaly. And, and the thing is, it wasn't just a like a close, crazy game. That twenty points of of a difference in the second half that is on uh, like hasn't been seen before. Right. Well, that exactly. That's kind of what I was saying at the start. Is like usually when two teams go into the half and there's one that's clearly better. When you have these upset alerts in the first half and wow, UMBC is hanging with them. They went into the half tied at twenty one, and right. U, and UVA's defense was fine. And usually that's when a team wakes up and says. All right, we got to start playing basketball. Every every March Madness, usually with an upset, you know, the first half is always close. That's right. how it always is because teams right. get teams that are lesser. You know, they get out hot. They have that nerve. That's kind of like, oh, we got to prove ourselves. And then really, the big the big brutes take over and they dominate. I mean, we saw it with almost every game other than the, the upsets that we've had. Yeah, I mean, as we go along into a March Madness game, even if it's close in the first half. One player has to take over and dominate the court in the second half, and exactly what UMBC, Jairus Lyles did that over that in the course of that game. He was a stud. He was knocking down shots, finished with 28 points, four and four. He had an amazing game, and it is testament to him that they were able to pull away in the second half. Yeah, he was three of four from three point range, nine of 11 from the field in 39 minutes. So he played essentially the entire game. Both of his parents, UVA graduates. Did you guys know that? Really? Yeah. So kind of an interesting little tidbit there. But yeah, he played a great That's game. That's a tidbit. Yeah, exactly. He uh, he was the star for UMBC that Virginia wished they had in that game. Exactly. So let's move on to another big game that happened. Nevada beat Cincy. What a crazy I, comeback. I, I, I am just utterly shocked. I was actually, I fell asleep. I was driving up from Syracuse. I was in the backseat of the car, and I fell asleep with them down 22. And I wake up, and my friend just goes, Charlie, did you hear? And I'm like, I'm like, what? And he goes, Nevada just won. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, all right. Good, <laughs> good one, one like, dude. <laughs> good one. And they're like, no, check your phone. And they came back. And I am just shocked because Cincinnati is one of the best defensive teams in the country. They they were the, a two-seed entering the tournament. They were a force to be reckoned with. And then Nevada, who shouldn't have even been in this place. Texas should have won that game. Right. The, Texas broke apart. They just shot unconscious in, in overtime. And, and I don't know what happened. Yeah, well, Nevada has now won two games. They've had no business winning. But I think that your friend mentioning that to you in the way he did essentially highlights the sentiment of March Madness, which is, hey, bud, did you hear? And you're like, oh, no, what happened now? Like, <laughs> yeah. that is the feeling of March Madness. That, you, exactly. You, know, you stop watching totally for five seconds. That. Exactly. Yeah, and then, yeah. that, that, was just, that was just wild. I mean, I, I mean, there's not much more to say other than that. Literally, the utterly impossible is happening, and we saw history with the UMBC. We saw a 22-point comeback, and Nevada's coach take his shirt off and run into the locker room. Like this is what it's all about: is those is those teams finally getting those that, those moments exactly? And you want to talk about impossible? Well, how about Arizona 
losing to Buffalo. And getting smacked around. Smacked around yes. by Buffalo. You have the best player, arguably, in the country in, in Aiton. Quite frankly, court. I don't even think it's arguable. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I, I disagree. I, no, that's I disagree. fine. But well, that's, and that's why I said arguably. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. But th- that game was just out of the, Buffalo was playing out of their minds about uh, against one of the best players in the country. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I really thought that Aiton was going to have essentially a field day. Buffalo doesn't have the, didn't have the size, in my opinion, to compete with them. Uh, on the low block, and Aiton has enough range to stretch the floor and get what he wants when you're not going to be inside. But something else was just going on with that Buffalo team, and Arizona didn't have an answer. And, I, I mean, again, it speaks to Sean Miller as a coach. He hasn't gotten out of the Elite Eight with the best teams he's ever had. This is one of the more talented teams he's had in a while and couldn't get out of the first round against a Buffalo team that I thought was really good. And going into this, um, I had been I'd been listing and, and thinking about the teams I thought that were maybe underseeded or had the potential for an upset, and Buffalo was on that list. And then I said, you know what, they're playing Arizona. It sucks, but exactly. they're going to get out in the first round. I said I like them, but not that well, much. Well, yeah, for me, it, it was a matter of they're playing Air, the Arizona Wildcats, who, in my opinion, have probably the most talented big man in the league here in the NCAA, and you're going up against a guy who has the potential to carry a team through the tournament on his shoulders, and that's why I picked them to go to the final and win the final. So my bracket is Definitely busted yeah. from the Buffalo Bulls. I mean, the biggest thing about Buffalo and the thing that we saw was that they just shot unconscious from three. They were 50% from three in the first game. Against Kentucky, they also shot unbelievable. The only reason the game was close until like the final eight minutes when Kentucky blew them out was that they were just making these absurd three-point shots. And that's something that DeAndre Ayton kind of can't do because he's sitting down in the paint just waiting. Right. Well, Arizona in their game was two for 18 from three. So that crazy gap from 15 out of 30 by the Buffalo Bulls and Arizona just shooting at 11.1%. Like, you can't have that in a first-round game against a 13 seed if they're hitting their shots. It's the same thing with, with UMBC. If you're hitting your shots as an underdog, there's really nothing you can do about that as a better team. Yeah, and it's it's just it's all about the underdogs hitting more than they they average, and that's what a lot of these teams are doing. But I, I just wanted to bring circle back to DeAndre Ayton real quick. The, the reason why I don't think he's the number one, I think that it kind of showed um, in this Buffalo game, was just he was not that physical presence that Arizona needed. And just so, like, as, as, as previous number one picks that are big men, he averages 2.6 blocks per 40 minutes, projected-wise. He's, he's projected to do that, according to this, this Ringer article that I was reading. Anthony Davis averages nearly six. Greg Oden was 4.5, and, and Carl Towns was 4.3. So the fact that DeAndre Ayton is not not even close to some of these best players in the game is just why I think, you know, Arizona, like, I didn't see this until after it all happened, but, I mean, I realistically should have picked Kentucky to beat Arizona in the second round. Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying, and definitely the the blocks are, are part of the equation, right? If you're a big man, if you're supposed to be an interior presence at his size, like, that definitely matters. I'm not going to take away from that. But to me... Aiden is is a different is a different kind of big man, and to, to me, he's the ideal stretch five because I think that the NBA has fallen in love with these stretch fours and stretch fives, where essentially, like Brooke Lopez, who the other night set the record for most minutes and and points scored by a center to not have a single rebound. He had 28 points in like 34 minutes and didn't have a single rebound. Right. If your big man is not going to have a single rebound, well, then start a guard at that point. Yeah. Go small ball. So to me, what Aiton offers you is not a guy who's primarily going to be on the perimeter, but a guy who can go to the perimeter. His primary game is on the interior, but it's not the only thing he can do, and it's not it's not like he's stuck to the outside and confined to the outside. So I think that he has that versatility in the right way that separates him from anyone else. He might not be the greatest center to ever play in the college game, 
but he might be the best player in this year's draft class. And he will most likely be the number one pick in this yeah, year's him NBA Mar- draft. I mean, Marvin Bagley, if he breaks out, then if he destroys... Right, if he, if he has a crazy tournament which in the rest of the tournament. so far he's doing really, really Correct. well. Correct. Yeah, well, let's go on to another uh, upset team that has really just shocked the world with their nah, crazy— not, They don't shock the world, bro. I had them in the Sweet 16. I already know where you're going. Well, well, you had them in the Sweet 16. You're definitely in the minority, but Loyola Chicago— Let's go! <laughs> —has stunned everybody. Well, maybe not including Charlie, but they <laughs> definitely are stunning me. Well, I, you know, I just really— effed up in the brackets this year. I had Miami going to the Final Four, yeah. lost in the first round to Loyola Chicago, and then I also had Arizona. Well, hopefully maybe Syracuse will pull it out for one of those spots for me, but let's go back to Loyola Chicago. How about Sister Jean, uh, their secret Sister weapon? Jean. The 98-year-old nun who has been sitting on the sidelines of both games, both upsets, she is their secret weapon. Yeah, yeah I she mean, also has them losing, in the, in losing yeah, this game. Season, That's true. <laughs> That's so true. I had Loyola Chicago winning their first game against Miami, and they did on Miraculous 3. I did not have them winning their second game uh, because I had Tennessee in my Final Four. Right. Um, and The bracket busters. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think Sister Jean is definitely a little bit of a good luck charm for them. But, Charlie, like you mentioned, so they interview her after the game when they beat Tennessee, the last second shot that bounces every which way on the rim before dropping. And Sister Jean, it's revealed that her bracket has Loyola Chicago going to the Sweet 16, but losing. So they say to her, you know, how do you account for that? She says, oh, well, we're just, you know, one week at a time, you know, and I'd like to see him win. But Sister Jean, Sister Jean, how can you be the good luck charm if you're going to have your team losing this week? I just yeah. I don't get it. I don't know. I mean, I I also think that uh, this Loyola team is going to beat Nevada. I I mean, this oh, Loyola yeah. Chicago team is one of the best like lowest seated team like one of the worst like or what, below average we're below seated under seated yeah, definitely under seated. I mean, if you look at their their stats right, they're sixty third in offense according to Ken Palm and adjusted efficiency. They're twenty seventh in defense. They finished in effective field goal percentage. They're shooting fifty seven point seven percent, and they're just and an that's aw- on the year. Yeah, on the year. Yeah. This is this is all Ken right, Palm stats. Exactly. Three point percentage and two point percentage. They shoot fourteenth and thirteenth in the country. Right. These aren't like these little spurts that they're having during the tournament in their last two games. No. This is the entirety this, of their season. And then they their defense is always in the top sixty. So th- this is why when I was looking at this Loyola Chicago team, I was like, Man, they're getting slept on, man. They're Miami I did not think was legit. I mean, Syracuse beat them in Miami. And I'm not right. I, I'll, I'll be the first one to tell you that. You know, I did not think Syracuse could do any of this, and I thought, you know, losing to Syracuse is a horrible loss. So I was like, all right, Loyola Chicago can do that. And then I was like, okay, next round, Tennessee. Tennessee's all about their defense. If Loyola Chicago's offense can break it and they are a smart team, they can do it. And in one of my brackets, I actually have them beating uh, Cincinnati, which obviously Cincinnati is dead, is gone. But, right. But, I mean, this Loyola Chicago team is legit, man. They they they. they Grit through the end. They came back. They they blew the lead against Tennessee. Came back and won it. They hit the buzzer beater. That that three was, I mean, it came Awful off a, a missed free throw in transition. Pull up from three. I mean, those. It was just incredible. I mean, this is what March is all about. We need Sister Definitely. Jean as a guest on the show, yeah. right? Let's her. let's get her to call in. Let's get her to call in. Definitely. I th- I think before the next round, we have to get Sister Jean to call in and tell us why she would not pick right. the Ramblers to go on to the Elite I, Eight. I, I don't understand it. I don't get it. If you really believe in your team, I just don't understand the logic. And Charlie, again, like you're right there with Sister Jean, so maybe you can explain it to me. How do you look at a team like this and be like, yeah, that's Sweet 16 quality, but no more? Like, well, she here's the thing. She's a realist. I mean, she's I a nun. She's I mean, obviously doing successful. She's 98 years old, man. Yeah. Like, 
She's living the life. She's she really watching is. her favorite team have the the craziest run in the NCAA tournament. I am very happy for Sister Jean, to Good say the her. least. But let's move on to something else I'm very happy about. Our boys, the Syracuse Orange, heading to the Sweet 16 to play our biggest arch rival, Doesn't Duke. Doesn't make sense. So I Doesn't gotta, make sense. i got to eat my hat a little bit because I have been Me trashing too. the Syracuse team the entirety of the year. And I still stand by it to some degree. I think that there is a certain validity in saying that that going on a run in the tournament does not validate your being in the tournament. Um, because this tournament is not about crowning the best team in college basketball. If that was our goal, UVA would have won the championship already. Because that is the best team in college basketball. Our goal in this NCAA tournament is to have the best tournament in all of sports. And that's what we're getting. So you have to credit Beheim for getting this team prepared at the right time. They came out ready to play. And their defense has been incredible. They're taking three of the top offenses in the country in those first three games and holding them all to under 60 points. Under 56, actually. So what they've done is outstanding. Now, how this team beat Michigan State is Blows the worst my thing mind. I've ever seen. I love this team, but boy, do I hate this team. Okay? <laughs> they made Syracuse made one three. Syracuse had three assists. Syracuse was out rebounded on the offensive glass by I believe twenty two. Twenty well, yeah, they had they gave up twenty six offensive rebounds. Right, and I believe they had like three. Probably. So correct. But he, but the difference maker in the game even though Syracuse shot 15 for 42, which is like very subpar, 35%, Michigan State went 17 for 66 from the floor. Right, and they didn't score for the last five minutes of the game, except on free throws. Yeah. Right, so so coming down the stretch, like, like I was talking with my friend yesterday who I was watching the game with, I mean, you can't let Syracuse stay in the game late in the game. You just can't. They're, they're going to find a way in the tournament to pull it out in the end. Yeah, I mean, without Frank Howard, too. I mean, he fouled out in the final minutes while they were down four. How they come back? This right. Second right. Best player With Sidibe and Chukwu also in crazy foul trouble. A former walk-on. Division three transfer walk-on. He, he, he had played 11 minutes this far in the season. And played six. And played six minutes in the NCAA the round of 32. The most six minutes that you yeah. could imagine. And yeah. he was a beast on defense. He was. He, he was a stud on defense. And did you, see, did you see right at the end of the game when Bayheim was playing the foul game, they tried to sub him back in. Yeah. To get the foul. They, they, yeah, to get the foul. And, and I mean... Hats off to Bayer. Like he he was he filled in for um, Frank Howard and did a fairly decent job, well enough to keep us in contention right. to finally take the win in the end. Listen, yeah. that's what he's there for. That's what that's what your walk on, exactly. that's what your backups are there for, is to fill the roles you need filled when you have no one else left to do it. And he stepped up big time. Right. It just blows my mind that Jim Bayheim's orange. I mean, he doesn't like to play a lot of players. Like to begin with. No. He this season we probably have played seven players in half of our games. Mainly go with six guys. You know, but well, well, all three of our best players, so O'Shea, Frank, and Tyus, right. are top five in the country in minutes per yeah, game. 40, exactly, right? The whole 40, game. Yeah, for, I mean, forty minutes for percent, forty minutes for battle. Howard would have played forty minutes had he not fouled out. It, it, but I mean, Tyus with that shot in the clutch, yeah, came, came through for the Orange. I'm telling you, might have been the only shot they made all night. It could, it could have been. I also think um, we have to look at Tom Izzo a little bit, right? Because yeah. Tom Izzo is a lock for the Hall of Fame. He is a college basketball Hall of Fame coach. But when you look at him up against other Hall of Fame coaches in his career, he is 1-11 against Coach K at Duke. He is 1-7 against Roy Williams in North Carolina. He is 1-5 against Jim Beheim in Syracuse in his career. That is a 3-23 and record against some of the other college, college basketball Hall of Fame coaches that are coaching yeah. right now. 
it's kind of hard to excuse that, right? I mean, he got brutally outcoached. His team, as they have yeah. all season, struggled with the zone. Syracuse has the best zone in the country. As much as I'm not the biggest fan of it, I will say that when they play more like a 3-2, as they did yesterday, and not a 2-3, and they solely guard the perimeter, I, I'm more well, happy with that. Here's, here's my thing, right? Uh, if you're Tom Izzo, why didn't you make in-game adjustments and stop shooting the three ball? They shot 37 threes. 37 of 66 of their shots were three-pointers. The Syracuse only took eight total. Like, when you're, when you're, when you're shooting 21.6% from three, Maybe you, would, you, you, would, you would assume you'd stop after, like, the 20th three. You'd be like, all right, we're shooting, like, four for 20. Like, let's calm it back. Let's take more inside. They're killing them on the offensive glass. Why aren't they just going back up with it? Why aren't you working it to Tillman? Why aren't you working it to Jackson down lower ward? Like, it was just shocking that they just had Winston and Bridges just shooting three after three after three. And when you go six for 23 between your – Two best guards, you're not going to win. Yeah, right. Yeah, Winston Winston was three for eleven. Bridges was three for twelve. They just kept putting them up, and the whole game, just like you said, Charlie, I was thinking to myself, they are out physicaling in the paint, the crap out of Sadiba and Chukwu. How the heck are you not driving in with Bridges trying to go for the layup every single every single possession? It may have been the worst defensive rebounding performance I have ever seen ever, in my life. Ever. And it might not it was be embarrassing. Close. It was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. And somehow, with the only two big men on Syracuse's roster, both with limited offensive games, in foul trouble. That that was what scared me the were, most. They weren't able to go inside yeah, on us. Right. It didn't make any sense. It made no sense. So I understand, right, so a lot of what was happening is they were getting kept outside the perimeter, or they'd be passing up good shots in the hopes of getting a better shot, which is really difficult against the zone. I think Ian Eagle brought that up Very the, during the pregame. Yeah. He, and he, he highlighted that one of the struggles when you play a zone like this and you don't play it all season, is that you might see a good shot and you're accustomed to passing it up to get a great shot. But when you do that against the zone, it adjusts in a different way than man defense does, and sometimes you lose that opportunity. So they kick it back to the perimeter. Late shot clock, they have to check a three. And, you know, they... they yeah. And honestly, if you look at the threes they made, they banked one in, and right. the one at the end of the first Which is, half... Which was absolutely was, ludicrous. Was, well, the regular I mean, bank, and then the one at the end of the first half was ludicrous. Right. It was a blocked three that he caught in the air and then shot his own tip in off it, the glass and in. It literally reminded me... You remember that game that you used to play in elementary school, Taps? Where you would have to catch the ball while you were midair and heave it back up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, literally, he got his three-pointer blocked, caught it midair, shoved it back up with with point two seconds left yeah, on the shot was, clock. Was... Like, I, I'm sorry, but I, I was absolutely livid at that point, and I thought to myself in the back of my mind that could potentially be. I a thought that was I crazy that was, game changer. That's that could, what it was. Yeah, that that could have been the game there. I mean, it, we won by two points, but say, uh, you know, say they weren't in foul trouble or something at the end, and we didn't have the bonus plus. Or it Pascal been, misses one free throw correct. and Tyus doesn't make the step back. Exactly. So say that happened, that three-pointer, that flub three-pointer, the buzzer beater in the first half could have made an enormous difference. Yeah, it was – It was that that play was – when I just like – I guess we're fortunate We're fortunate that it didn't. We're, yeah. So I, I just want to go back for one second. Just, yeah. This is a little bit of a, of a, of a separate side note going back to, to UMBC. I'm sorry, but I'm looking here at the Syracuse-Michigan State box score on ESPN, right, because I have all the numbers in front of me. And – NCAA basketball news. Will Ryan Odom stay with UMBC? He's he's UMBC's coach. And so he's kind of become the hot name in coaching lately, and this was just bothering me. I know it's a total sidetrack. This is a team that lost by 50 points to Albany earlier in the year. 
Just because you upset someone in the NCAA tournament does not make you one of the best coaches in the country. And people fall in love with these first-round small school upsets. When you see sustained success at small programs in getting to the tournament, it's a different story. Right. But if you hire Ryan Odom, if you're a Power 5 team looking for their next coach, and you hire Ryan Odom, I think you are making a huge mistake. But uh, freezing cold takes, come at me. Save that one. I don't know. Maybe he'll be big. I'm just <laughs> saying, if you lose to fifty point by 50 points to Albany earlier in the year, I don't see that as you know, being one of the best upcoming coaches in the country. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, Charlie, mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you. no, I was just going to say that, uh, do you know how many point, how many shots Matt McQuaid made the whole game? Two? Tell me. One. One. It was that, it was that, that three, bank. Yep, three. that bank. That, like, wow. Like, he shot one for seven, and all were threes, by the way. And one for seven for three, and the only wow. one he made was wow. the bank. I mean, yeah. back to what you're saying, Ryan, about the, the UMBC coach. Yeah. This is not like a situation like, say, I hate to switch sports, but say like PJ Fleck, right, and and uh, Western Michigan, he had sustained success. I mean, he went eight and four, eight and four, and then had his crazy historic season in 2016. Or staying in the sport, Brad Stevens, who repeated that right, success. repeated success. I mean, guys like that are kind of deserving to uh, move on to a bigger program, get that crazy amount of money. But uh, what I believe is going to happen is that the UMBC coach is going to take an extension. At, with the Retrievers and stay there because they're going to shell out some cash for him. I mean, they have a popular name now in sports. They want that guy. They want to take advantage of that and uh, lock him up for the future. Yeah, I agree. So just to just to be specific, so I'm not insinuating anything. They lost by 44 points to Albany um, on January 21st, 83 to 39. I just was like, <laughs> like I don't. If you lose to Albany, 83 to 39, you are not my coach. But you're not my coaching candidate for a major program. If I'm an yeah. athletic director, if I'm on the search and I'm looking at your resume, and at the top of your resume it says, yeah, I lost by 44 points to Albany. Um, that yeah. says something. I, that I'm, says something. I'm just going to say that I don't think UMBC comes back to the NCAA tournament in the next No, years. I mean, th th <laughs> this is a Cinderella story. And for so the I, ages. I, I live about, I live, say, about 15, 20 minutes from UMBC campus. As you wear your Orioles shirt. And as I wear my Orioles shirt, you know I'm a proud Baltimorean. <laughs> but UMBC is known among the ranks of elite sports schools for one sport and one sport only, and that's chess. They have one of the most elite chess programs in the country. They rival Harvard, Yale, Stanford. My friend was telling me this. <laughs> UMBC is the chess team, not the basketball team. But this year, I guess they proved everyone wrong with that crazy win. I mean, we all know they lost in the round of 32 yesterday, which is heartbreaking for us Baltimoreans. But, you know, we were really hoping they would go on an even more you know, ludicrous uh, streak there. But after that first round win, I can say, as, as someone from Baltimore, we're really proud of what, what they were able to accomplish. But I don't see them getting back into the tournament anytime soon. No. Absolutely. I agree with you on that one. Yeah, uh, and 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 just like m switching topics or not sports but topics now. Um, what do you guys think about Purdue? Well, I mean, so Isaac Haas broke his yeah, broke his, his uh, elbow, so his he's elbow. he's not he's not playing the rest of the. They, they said he might come back, and then they no, said the braces not. the braces not NCAA approved. Right. Really? So, yeah. So yeah. he came out with a brace for the pregame um, before their their most recent game, and he uh, he had it all taped up. It was a giant brace, and he was working through it, trying to put up some like three foot shots, and he was wincing in pain. Not only did they not clear that brace, but even with that, he was wincing in pain, grimacing every time he put up a shot. And then he extended out to about the 10-foot range on the free throw line, and he was shooting lefty. Uh, it's not, it's not going to happen. He's not coming back. Isaac Haas is done for the tournament. One of the best teams in the country has one of the best players in the country. 
down at the most important time of the year, and Purdue is in real danger. They are yeah. in real danger. Now. They 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 did they did look pretty pretty bad um, in the first half against Butler, and then mm-hmm. put it all together and 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 beat them obviously in the second half, which is what we see normally out of good teams. And, and it might happen against Butler, but is it going to happen against Villanova or Texas Tech? No, I, I mean maybe Texas Tech. You can argue Texas Tech, but Villanova is right. You Villanova can make the argument that even though Texas Tech is one of the hottest teams in the NCAA right now, as was Purdue. But, you know, without your star guy like that, uh, just a game changer on, on the court, they're not going to be able to make it through. I, I don't think they are going to be able to make it through Texas Tech, but they will definitely not be able to go through what I think is the best team in the country. I, I agree Villanova. with you, and I have Nova winning it all in my bracket. What Villanova does is they spray the three ball, and they do it incredibly efficiently. Their entire offense, what Jay Wright does over there, is ball spacing, ball movement, and getting the best possible shot you can for the best players on the floor. It, it, it's great. It's it's basketball at its finest, at its most fun to watch. The other issue, though, is even when Purdue is at their strongest, their best shot is a post-up. They can hit the three, but their best shot is a post-up with Isaac Haas. Right. Which is the least efficient shot in basketball. Compared to Villanova, who shoots the most efficient shot in basketball. And I'm not an analytics junkie. I think that a lot of these analytics go way too far. But there is something to be said for the fact that three is more than two. And if you're going up against a team, even at full strength, I don't think would beat Villanova without your best player, without one of the best players in the country, seven foot two Isaac Koss. Yeah. Right. I mean I mean and Purdue wasn't even able to pull out a win against Michigan with Isaac Haas putting up twenty three and eight. Exactly. In the big ten in the Big exactly. Ten tournament. So if you're taking out a guy who's who's putting up monster numbers like that already and you're still losing to to a talented team in the Sweet 16 like Michigan, I don't see how a team they're they're going to be able to get past a team like Texas Tech or or Villanova. I'm right there with you. I really think Purdue's hopes are shot, but then again, that's what March is about. So we'll It's March, baby. You really never know what's going to happen in the month of March. It's just it, it is beyond me. But let's go back for a minute and talk about Syracuse once again. We have a big game because it's freaking Duke Week, baby. Well, how you guys feel? Uh, I, I mean, I mean, I think that you know, I think, I mean, I think I, I expected it last time. I think Syracuse is going to get destroyed by Duke. Last time they Duke uh, shot horrible from three. They couldn't do anything against them when the la- last time Syracuse played Duke, and then they pulled away and and you know beat them up at the end. And I think it's going to be even worse this time. I don't know. I just. I mean, I, I, I guess, you know, it's March Madness and, and the 2-3 zone's at the peak, but it's it's Syracuse. It's the t- same team we saw lose to the same Bonaventure. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I will say, however, I think that there's a few things about this game that people might not quite realize. So the, the first part is that Duke has had a uh, defensive turnaround this year. And so if you look at their season statistics and how they fared um, on the defensive end and the offensive end, it actually looks really good. They're a great offensive team. They're a great defensive team. But when they switched from the from man to 2-3 as their primary defense to a zone, their offense went to trash. And so it's a little misleading because the averages on the year don't tell the full story about the fact that their offense has been abysmal up until the tournament. And now they've started to figure things out a little more. So I think it's dangerous for Syracuse to have that team coming in that's starting to figure out their offense. Yeah. But it's not the same Duke offense that we saw at the start but of the year. It's also it also just based on matchups. Like, Duke wins 10 times out of 10. Oh, I Marvin agree Marvin Bagley I'm and Wendell Carter Jr. is uh, just going to destroy Pasqual right. Chukwu, Barbama, yeah. or Marek. I'm not arguing that, that Syracuse is going to win this game. I do think that Pascal has made strides in the tournament alone on holding out of the basketball. I, I agree with that. I think I think Chukwu, even though he had one of the worst games I've seen him play, and and he's had some pretty bad games. Um, 
I think that he has held his own in the tournament, and, right. and Sidibe has held, and has held and his own. And showed up. Yeah, exactly. So Dolzhai. I'm not saying that Syracuse is going to beat Duke. I'm just saying okay. that this game is maybe not a, quite as clear-cut here, as it seems here, as to why question. the game it's like the It's it like that meme, so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> are, you, are you taking Syracuse plus 11.5 or yes, Duke yes. minus 11.5? I'm taking plus 11.5 because people are scoring 50 points against Syracuse. You're talking about a 20% like difference you, know, you, you, th- you think Duke scores under 60 points against Arizona, Arizona State I, over averaged over 80 a game. TCU a, averaged over Arizona, Arizona State, State and that's TCU. Michigan State averaged over 80 a game. Yeah, Michigan State's the only one where, right. but like Michigan State is the only one where I would be like, okay, it's them. It's, it's TCU and Arizona State. They are not legitimate threats. I was not shocked when Syracuse beat either of them. I was shocked when Syracuse beat Michigan State. I'm not State. shocked that we beat them. I'm just saying. We held those teams to 54, 55 yeah, but points, that's, 30 that's, below their season the only averages. The only team that, that really can compare to Duke is Michigan State, and I just think that Izzo is way worse at in-game adjustments and that they're going to attack down Wait, that's low. that's not why I'm saying that we're going to – I'm not saying we're going to win no, the game, I, no, but no, as far as covering the I spread – No, I agree. That you're I, talking I about 20% about. of the total score. And, 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 and in March, in March Madness – Well, well here, here's the difference. March Madness – is is most normally always close games, especially when you get to the Sweet 16. Like an 11 and a half point spread is, I think, is such a lock for for the Orange to cover. I, I totally do because we're we're in the middle of March. We just be, we're coming off a high, beating one of the best teams in the country in Michigan State, and uh, that that was an eight and a half point spread. And which Tyus I, is playing which awful I basketball. Was was Tyus has played, and, has played back to back. Oh, it was ten and a half. I think it was ten and a half because I think it took ten and a half. So here's Tyus the thing: even if even if Syracuse even if Syracuse doesn't pull out the win against Duke, which I seriously think that it could happen. I believe that an 11 and a half point spread is is an absolute lie. Yeah, I think Hughes is going to cover at the very least because, like I said, Tyus has had back-to-back awful games offensively. He hit some big shots yesterday, but uh, for the whole game itself, he didn't play well. And when your best player, your leading scorer, one of the best scorers per season average in quite a long time for your program is struggling, he's going to show up sooner or later. But you can, you can also and so argue, you can count on that. You can also argue that it's time for Syracuse to you know go off, go off from their high and hit the low and go back to the Syracuse team that we've watched. Well, I think they're going to lose. 30 games. I think they're going to lose, and they might lose by eight. I'm just saying, and I'm not saying it's a lock like yeah. AJ says, but I do think they are going to cover that 11.5 points. Per. I mean, yeah, I think it's close. I mean, th- listen, they they lost to Duke by 16, and they were down by like 22 the whole game and then hit like two threes in the last minute. So they, they just they got outworked last time. It just scares At me. Duke. It, this is a neutral yeah. site. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just Duke's offense is clicking at the right time. I mean, Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter are going to absolutely eat on the offensive glass. Like, Marvin Bagley might put up 30 and 25. I would not be surprised. Get out of here. I, I would, I would be, be surprised. very surprised, surprised if he put up 30 points. Against up. the zone? 30 points? Against the yeah, zone? Against anyone. Against anyone. You don't think he puts up 30 Miles, points. Miles Bridges scored 11 points yeah, against. He, but Miles Bridges is a guard. Marvin Bagley's down low. But off 30 and 25 Pat. in a college game is just borderline on That's what DeAndre yeah. Ayton does. When? Well, well, DeAndre Aiden put up fourteen and thirteen yeah. in his last game, so yeah, I don't know how you can how He's you done, can say Aiden that. Aiden may have it's, done he, it, but he doesn't do it. Right, it's a big he, difference. He may do it. You know, I don't think in Mar- in March especially, it's so difficult to put up a crazy game like that. I mean, you could say that it, it's it's within the realm of possibility in- potentially, but but scoring thirty and five in a Sweet Sixteen game. I mean, 
it could happen, but against the two three zone that's been so successful thus far these past three games, I totally don't see Maybe maybe not totally twenty five rebounds. Maybe that's a little. That's mostly stretch. what I was. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you but said I, 20, 25 rebounds. You said thirty and twenty five. Oh, I thought you said thirty and five, and I'm still freaking no, out. No, 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 he 30 said and thirty and five. Thirty and twenty five is a lock. Thirty and five is a lock. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely a lock scores, for thirty and no, five. No, no, eighteen no and five. Is yeah, a I would say. I would say maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe eighteen and five. Okay, here, Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley last game, twenty five and ten. That's not thirty and twenty five. That was a or no, that was against Elon. My bad. Twenty two and against nine. Elon, <laughs> and you're asking to double his production. He had from nineteen Elon. and thirty. No, thirty three and seventeen against Notre Dame. Twenty one and fifteen against North Carolina. So twenty one fifteen okay, doesn't 20, get it. If, That's if, ten rebounds to you and nine points. Fifteen and sixteen against. <laughs> you wanted to double his production. No, 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 no. All right, I'm saying. Yeah, literally 30, uh, thirty and fourteen against UVA. Right, I'm saying literally. Right. I'm getting. I'm. I'm. I'm getting information from from my my stats guy here beside me that Steph Curry is the all-time NCAA leader, averaged 29 points in the tournament. So 30 points no. expectation from no. from from. I, guess, oh I I just think no. I think that is it's a little. It's one ludicrous. game. It's one game of the year. It's one game Charlie. of the year. Marvin Bagley breaks Charlie. out. Charlie, let's go on record. Let's put it in the betting put, table. Yeah, let's put, let's put it. it in the let's, table. We'll, we'll we'll get back to it, but but let's say it now. 30, Let's go on record. 30, not 25 rebounds, but 30 okay. points. No, so 30 how many points. Rebounds? How many rebounds? You got to throw it in there. Yeah, you got to you got to toss it. Uh, how about this? We'll do, we'll do we'll do total points and rebounds over under. Okay. okay. I would say I would say 40. Okay, yeah. I would say 40 40 is a safe number. I would take the under on 40. Under. I would take the under on 40. Charlie, that's 20 and 20. Yeah, that's also 30 and 12 and is is over. I I'm going under and I will put my life on it. All right, I'm going over. All right. Well, well, you heard it. You heard it here first. And on that note, and hopefully last. And on that <laughs> note, I, thirty-three and seventeen against Notre Dame. And Notre Dame, you know, that's didn't 50. make the tournament. But they should have made it over Syracuse. Well, they didn't. They should have made it. <laughs> no, over but Syracuse. I agree with you. They should have been over Syracuse. As well. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well. Well. On that note, we're uh, just reminding you. You're listening here on WERW to the post game. We're gonna head to a break. But when we get back, the betting table coming up here on WERW. Risk my life on my partner, can't if it's right or wrong. So much pain in my body, I've been like this too long. So much try to stop me, but I keep moving on. I never give up, I gotta keep it strong. Yeah. Things ain't been going right. Take a risk and you got me your life. Forever thugging on sight. My heart cold at night. Things ain't been going right. Take a risk and you got me your life. Forever thugging on sight. My heart cold at night. I be scared, I don't do this my life with my partner, care if it's right or wrong. 
so much pain in my body. I've been like this too long. So much try to stop me, but I keep moving on. I never give up. I gotta keep it strong. Things ain't been going right. Take a risk and you got me your life. Forever thugging on sight. My heart cold at night. Things ain't been going right. Take a risk and you got me your life. Forever thugging on sight. My heart cold at night. I'm doing everything wrong. Straight double BBS stones. One on one Chanel, I put it on. Caught the Benny, y'all gonna put it on. Caught the Lamborghini and I'm gone. I didn't hear the lick fucking long. I was selling nicks in the zone. I done ran it up with money long. I just speed racing to the dollars. Got a Cuban link on my Keep a plain AP on my wrist. I done already got rich. Got 20 chains in the vault. Put the dog food to my dog. I'm from Melbourne every single day. I don't never have withdrawals. The streets to call my name. Start getting a little fame. Dirty bitches insane. Most niggas gon' change. My niggas stay the same. Switching in out of lane. I just caught a new range. Only drove it one time. Still stuck it one time. Turn the seven to a dime. Whip the four to a nine. Flawless diamonds gon' shine, make a nigga go blind. I've been walking like a headlight, get a different head every night. Gotta understand I love this life. Treat the five star hotels like some motherfucking projects. I recognize that I'm blessed. I'm very different from the rest. Put my niggas on jet, just to motivate a thug. Just show a nigga love. Yeah. Risk my life on my partner, care if it's right or wrong. So much pain in my body, I've been like this too long. So much try to stop me, but I keep moving on. I never give up, I gotta keep it strong. Yeah. Things ain't been going right. Take a risk and you got me your life. Forever thugging on sight. My heart cold at night. Things ain't been going right. Take a risk and you got me your life. Forever thugging on sight. My heart cold at night. And we are back here on the post game here on WERW. Let's talk a little bit about what we just got back from. Uh, we, we were off for a week from Syracuse University for possibly, possibly the greatest week of the year always, for me at least, uh, spring break. Spring break yeah, is a March great Madness and no classes and going wherever we want. Exactly. So, so tell us a little bit about your spring break. I heard you guys had some sort of meetup, but it wasn't it wasn't on purpose. It was an accidental meetup because I know Charlie. It was it was your twenty first birthday. So, so happy belated to you. Absolutely, Um, happy birthday. And and so you celebrated by going with a bunch of friends to Los Angeles, which is Ryan's hometown. Exactly. Yes. So tell me a little bit about this this link up. What happened? Who's gonna go first? You or me? Uh, you started off. All right. So so we're at the Griffith Observatory, which is like. A good place to like look for the Hollywood sign and just get a good view of LA. Best views in LA, and it's also an awesome observatory. Yeah, great, great. If you're into science, if you're into that stuff, yeah, I, I'm not into oh, science. I'm, I'm a I huge, went. I'm a huge science guy. See, I wasn't, I wasn't. I just wanted to see the Hollywood sign and like the view of LA. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> so science definitely <laughs> exists. I will tell you that. They also, they also have. Yeah, that's true. They also have um, like trails where you can walk on and like yeah, hike, hiking right? trails. It's right by okay. the Greek theater. It's a really yeah. cool place. So, so me and a few buddies uh, went, went um, hiking. My other friends, they just hung around the Griffith Observatory. So we're, we're like walking back from, from our hike. Um, and did you have a hiking stick? No, I did not. Wow. It was, it was, it was really like, messed it was up. Like, did you really hike if you didn't have a hike? Yeah, exactly. Like a that's a, that's a, a real question. Oh, it's it a, a, well, is that even a hike? <laughs> it wasn't that's a real hike. That's not a hike. That's a trot. It was like a half that's a mile trot. down, a half a mile back. There's there's like bigger ones you can go on, but we only did the small one. We really had an hour before our meter ran out. And or you're just not athletic. I don't I don't I don't work out, you know, the, the usual. No, but um 
So so I'm walking back and I get to my friends and one of them turns to me and goes, "Yo, your buddy's here." And I'm like, I'm like, "Who?" And like, I don't know. I don't have any buddies that like I'm going to run into. <laughs> yeah, and what? he's like, I'm like, "My friends are all, No. I only uh, know one person from my life. <laughs> so so and and it was the kid I was with. So no. And so um so he goes, "No, I think it's um your friend who's in Sakai." And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, oh hum, humble fraternity <laughs> shout out there. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, huh? Oh my god, is, is Tab here? And and like he's like, I think it's a kid you do the radio show with. So I was like, oh. oh, so I so I texted Ryan. I'm like, yo, are you in? Are you in? Are you in Griffith? And like, ended up ended up like he was there, and we he walked outside, and we met up. So I guess you could tell your half and how yeah. you. Met so up. my boys from freshman year were with me. Um, some of my closest <laughs> friends at school, and they had never been out to the West Coast really. One of them had gone to San Fran before, but also for you East Coast people who think San Fran is close to L.A., it's a five hour drive. Yeah, it's so not close. Get out of here. No, no shot. So pe- I, people be like, "Oh, you're from L.A.? This guy's from San Fran." I'm like, "Word, that's a different." Oh state man, yeah, yeah, like, we totally know each other, right? <laughs> but so um, so my boys come out with me for spring break. I'm showing them around, and and uh, you know we, we like sciencey stuff. We like cool things, so we like museums. So we yeah, so we go to the yeah. observatory, which is one of my favorite spots in LA, and that whole area is nice. The park, Griffith Park, is beautiful. The zoo we went to during the day, uh, the Greek theaters down there, which is where I saw my first Bruce Springsteen concert. It's it's a Love great it. great area. Um, was it was were, were they free museums? Because nothing is greater in life than a free museum. Yes, Griffith Griffith Observatory is free. Yeah, I mean, um, but go, it's a living show costs money. Yeah, li- living ki- close to DC, free museums are basically my everyday life. Right. Well, yeah, that's for sure. You guys have a lot of a lot of really cool free things to see out there. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, Griffith is free for admission if you want to go to like a planetarium show, which we did. It's like five dollars for the student ID, which we did. So it's not bad. Also, if you want to do that, but. Um, so I'm walking around. We walk into the observatory first, and um, I see a kid in a Syracuse sweater who I've never seen before. Like, it's not anyone I would know. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Like, Syracuse, haha. Yeah, so, you know. someone I know. Dude. Yeah, yeah. No, but so, I, you know, I just like, small world. But I forgot Charlie was in L.A. And so then I'm, I'm in line to get my ticket for the planetarium show, and I get a text from Charlie. Yo, are you a Griffith? And I'm like, yeah. And I still <laughs> don't remember. I'm not putting two and, together, two and two together that he's in L.A. He's like, my friend just saw you. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, small world. Nice, dude. His friend, <laughs> right. his friend saw me and texted Charlie. Like, hope your break is going well, Charlie. And he's like, come outside. I'm like, oh, oh he's here. Yeah. So I walk out, and he's right there. And, you know, we talked for a few minutes, and then I got to the show. But it was a good time. It was just kind of like a small world. You travel to the other side of the country, and four days into spring break, five days into spring break, I drive an hour and a half from my house, not just, like, next to my house, Yeah, you know? it was an hour like, drive for us, too. And I run into Charlie. Yeah. So wow. it was wild. And then Amazing. I guess who I also saw in, in L.A. Tell me. Uh, Dave McNenneman, who's the Cavs. Oh yeah, I, yeah. So, but I didn't really run into him because he ran right by me. He ran into you. <laughs> no, he ran right by me. <laughs> oh, what, so was, like, what was he, he was going on a morning jog? I don't know what. So, so was, was he? It was probably a hike. He was, was probably on, hiking to go find his no, hiking he, stick. He wasn't hiking, bro. Wow. Well, he was, he well, was, was only half with mile. a Starbucks. Well, yeah. If, if it was only a half mile, it definitely it was wasn't a hike. He had a Starbucks cup in his hand, headphones in. And my friend, and you know Radler. Um, yeah, you, you yeah both of know course. Radler. Yeah, well, then, yeah. Oh, no, shout out Radler if Josh you're listening. Radler, yo. And <laughs> so, man. So, so we're listening, and he texts me. He calls me. He's like, he's like a half a mile in front of me on like the we're on the Venice Beach boardwalk, and he's nice. like, he's like, yo, David Neneman's here. He's like, he's he looked at me. He's wearing a Syracuse like. Gotta uh, get that business card, like, baby. He looked at me like looked at me funny, and I was like, I don't know who this is, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's David McNenamin. So I, I so I tell my friend who's like a big Cleveland fan, and we're like walking down the boardwalk, and we see him just hustling like not running but like speed walking starbucks coffee in hand glasses on and my friend goes like to wave at him and is like oh go syracuse 
and he just walked right by and just beelined wow. it past us. And I was like, damn. I like know that's, that's superstar status as yeah. you know at its finest. Yeah, I mean, I know like like I I've talked to Dave before on like his like I used to run like the National Sports Media Association uh, club. Humble brag. <laughs> yeah. So like, but like now it's not a thing. But <laughs> but <laughs> how he well did he run it in, then? <laughs> I mean, I had like I when I when I, when I passed it off probably or not in well. Nah, no, no, the pass the person I passed it off to just didn't get any speakers uh, and it died. But I mean, like I had Dave McNenham and Nick Wright and guys like that call in. So like I talked to Dave before. Right, right. But he just you know didn't I guess didn't recognize me. Hey, you know that that's all good. How about you, Cancun? Well, yeah, my my spring break was a little bit different. I went to Cancun with a bunch of guys in my fraternity. Uh, we had we had an amazing week. Soaked up some sun. Got a little you know two burnts there on, on a couple of parts. You know my arms, my shoulders are feeling it a little bit. Too a couple burnt, days later. Hey, well, we're not going to talk about that. I'm not 21. I've never sipped a beer before in my life. But I will I tell you. Cancun, it's not but, 21. Well, that, that is true. That is true. <laughs> but, I, you know, I'm a moral person. I like to stick by the American morals. Uh, American but, morals? Are you insinuating <laughs> that American morals should be the rest of the world's standards? Hey, we're not going to get into politics <laughs> here. But what I will tell you is that when I was on the beach in Cancun, I got myself a nice little, uh, a nice little braid. And on the end of the braid were three colors. It was orange, white, and 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 blue, right? So I had it in uh, for, for the first win, had it in for the round of 64 win, and I flew back with it still in my hair, had it in last night at, for, for the win against Michigan State. I was thinking to myself, I'm never taking this off. Take I'm off. never taking it off. But then I remembered that tomorrow... Uh, or excuse me, Wednesday, I'm doing a live shot for, for one of our broadcasting classes, and I can't have a freaking bead in my hair for a live shot that I potentially am going to send out to em potential employers. So so I'm sorry, Professor Rose, that I didn't give you the pleasure of seeing this amazing bead, this amazing... Was, uh, it, was it in the back of your head? or It was actually in the front of my head. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It was in, Yeah, if it was in the back of my head, that would be a different story. I could have tucked it into the, yeah. to my collar or something. But yeah, I unfortunately had to take it out. Maybe I'll go get it done before the Duke game on, on Friday. To. I kind of have to at this point, right? Yeah, no, I, I mean, if, you yeah, if, you, if Syracuse is winning, to. you have to. Yeah, yeah kind of have to. All right, on that note, let's head to our favorite segment. It's the betting table. Let's give you a quick update of, of how we're doing thus far on I'm the year. On, I'm on a comeback. Let's, yeah, yeah. Charlie's on a comeback, but you're still in last place. Yeah. You're <laughs> seven and eight on the year. I, I'm do, not doing much better. To, uh, you're one you know, game of better I, than me. I, I'm eight and seven, and then Ryan is, is the current card holder, the current champion, yeah, he's nine and, and four six in the last two weeks. Stock yeah. down, Ryan Tabs. I know. Stock, I was, I was stock has fallen. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a little bit different. We normally do three games, three different leagues, whatever. But now we're going to just do our special March Madness edition of the betting table uh, for all sweet 16 games. So yeah. let's get it. Well, let's plus get started right away. Let's get it started right away. Yeah. Plus, plus Which the Bagley over auto under point for yeah. for AJ and I. The, bag, yeah, the Bagley over under under is already set at forty, and I'm the only one that took over. Right. Correct. So let let's get it started with Kansas State and Kentucky. Uh, let's start it off with our current leader, Ryan. Uh, Ryan Tab, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. You know, I got Kentucky in this game. Uh, this entire region is now Kentucky's to lose. That's going to be the first region in NCAA tournament history that's not going to have one of the top four seeds coming out of the Sweet 16. Um, and you know, I really like I said, it's Kentucky's to lose. I think Kansas State is a little bit of a pretender. I think they've had an easy pathway to get to where they are right now. I don't think that they are exactly validated by being where they are. And I think Kentucky's playing the best basketball of their season. This is a team that everyone usually has very high expectations for. They underperformed on the year, and in turn, people got so disappointed they counted them out. But people were overthinking it. And this Kentucky team is still very good, and they're playing the best they've played all year. I've got Kentucky. Yeah. I, I, mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's really much else to say. They, they kind of 
left UMBC in the game uh, yesterday, won by seven points, but you know only had a second half where they scored two more points than the Retrievers. I really think that Kentucky, as one of the best, has one of the best teams. Uh, at this point, and Calipari is coaching his best basketball uh, in this tournament, in my yeah. opinion. So I really don't think anyone other than Kentucky is yeah, going to uh, prevail K- in that game. Kentucky's going to kill them. I, I don't right. think it's going to be close. So, so let's go on to our favorite, uh, our favorite good luck charm, Sister Jeans, Loyola Chicago Ramblers playing Nevada. Who do you guys have in that one? I got Loyola Chicago again here. Um, I had Texas beat Nevada in the first round, and I don't think that they had any business winning that game in the comeback. And then they came back from 22 down against Cincy, another game they had no business winning. They're not supposed to be here, and I hate saying that kind of thing, but usually you say that about the small teams. Loyola Chicago is supposed to be here. Nevada's not, and I've got Loyola Chicago. I, I have Loyola Chicago too. I mean, I had them into the Sweet 16, and one of my three brackets had them in the Elite Eight. I think this team is... As legit as it gets for a, a double di- a double digit seated team, um, I and like you said, Nevada should not be here. They got lucky in overtime. They got lucky with a twenty two point comeback. I don't know how that even happened. They're gonna well, really well, all rambling. Well, on. here's the thing: Nevada might not be. You know, they might not. Are they? Ugh, sorry, Nevada you probably isn't supposed to be in the tournament. But then again, Syracuse probably shouldn't be in the tournament either. And all I'm saying is. Sister Jean has Loyola losing in this round. So I'm going to go with their good luck charm, kind of jinxing them and pick Nevada on this. You've got a point. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a Jean, valid point. You know, it's a valid point here. She's been right so You know, far. this this is going to be the AJ Gers show this week. I'm going eight for eight. I'm telling you right here. Eight for eight for me, and I'm going to reclaim the lead. But FSU. No, nine for nine because Marvin Bagley. Oh, nine for nine. There you go. Are but you conceding now? <laughs> no. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. FSU Gonzaga. FSU Gonzaga. It's going to go perfect. FSU Gonzaga. I'm go- I'm going to stick with Gonzaga. I honestly think they have a fairly good shot at getting to their first final four in in, in team history. Uh I'm going to pick them to win. What about you guys? I am going Florida State. This team is as legit as it gets in the tournament right now. They're playing at it at their peak. Um you saw their comeback against Xavier. They get to the rim, they draw the fouls, they took out um uh, Xavier's guards very quickly, uh, and especially in the first half, they had foul trouble. Um, you know, Florida State is is a team that I wasn't sold on, and then watching, I just got sold on. And Gonzaga really has needed two late comebacks to pull away from uh, their opponents. Uh, they should, they, you know, they get out to a hot start. They're up like ten nothing, I think, both games or something like that. And fifteen nothing, I think, in the Ohio State game. Yeah, and then Ohio State comes back, and they needed a late run. I just. I think that their magic runs out, and Florida State's just playing as hot as they can. So I, I definitely hear you with that, and you have a point. Um, but I think that whoever made it out of the Missouri-Florida State game was going to beat Xavier. And if Xavier didn't lose to them, then then uh, Gonzaga was going to beat them. So I, I have Gonzaga winning this one. Um, I think Mark Few is one of the best coaches in the country, and I think that's a very heady basketball team. All right, all right. so we're running a little bit short on time here, so we're just going to kind of do a little rapid-fire uh, for the last couple games, and then we'll talk a little bit about the last game. How about that? So uh, we're going to go on Michigan, Texas A and M. I'm going to I'm going to pick Michigan. They're the hot hand right now in, in college basketball. One of them. So I'm going to keep their uh, John Beeline's hot streak up and go with the Wolverines there. I got to take A and M in this game because I need him in my bracket. Uh, I liked Michigan the whole <laughs> season. I hated Oklahoma the whole season, and both of them blew their cover before the tournament started. But I'm sticking with A and M. I'm going A and M too. I think that this team. You know, I sat down watching uh, AM play their round of 64 game, and, uh, and Radler said that, you know, this team could beat UNC. And I was like, you're crazy. And then they slaughtered UNC. I think Michigan, I think, is as. I, Michigan does not deserve to be in this. I don't think that th- that three was just, you know, absurd. I, I'm going AM. 
All right, so how about Villanova, West Virginia? I really don't think there's going to be much of a conversation between us on this one. I think Villanova is the best team still alive in the tournament. I'm picking them. I assume you guys are going to do the same. Yeah, yeah. I got Villanova. Smart teams beat the press. West Virginia makes bad teams beat themselves. You can't make a team like Villanova beat yeah, themselves. Marshall I mean, it's looks really horrible, and, and Nova's not going to look as bad as Marshall. And I mean, I, I think the game's going to be close, but Villanova's the best team. All right, Texas Tech, Purdue. We were talking a little bit of, a little bit earlier about the implications of Haas going down with that elbow injury. Uh, I'm going to pick Texas Tech just for that reason. They're a great team too. I think they're a little bit uh, underrated. Uh, people have them on the back burner uh, a lot of the times. I'm picking Texas Tech. What about you, Ryan, Charlie? Yeah, I've got Texas Tech as well. Um, I was really leaning towards Purdue for a little bit there because they have four or five days of rest to figure things out, but, um, but there's just some things you can't make up yeah. for. I agree. All right, we're going to go on to Clemson and Kansas. Clemson, one of the hotter teams in the tournament, won by, what, over 40 points? It was it was close to that. It was absurd. It was, they smacked Auburn. Yeah, smacked I, I'm Auburn. going Clemson this week for against Kansas. I Listen, I think Kansas is a good team, and they're, I, but I just think Clemson is playing as great defense as you can ask for, and they are shooting lights Nin- out. 19 points for Auburn in the first half. Yeah, they are. They th- this is this Clemson is playing. Clemson and Villanova are the two teams that are playing like the two best teams in the country. They haven't looked like they were slow at any point in the game. Maybe the first half in the Bama game for Nova, but Clemson has come out of the gate and slapped. Both their teams, I just see Clemson, you know, walking away with a win here. I got Kansas. I think they're the better basketball team. And I think there's a lot to be said for someone who's playing hotter. But I think Kansas is just better. And I think that they're not playing badly. So I got Kansas. All right, so let's head on to the marquee matchup of the week here on campus, here at SU. Syracuse versus our arch rival, Duke. I know you guys both like Duke probably in this game. Uh, I'm going to pick Syracuse. I know <laughs> I, every game you he, pick the Orange. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have a history of losing on the betting table when I pick the Orange. That's that's just a fact. But if I go and get my braid redone with the Orange and White and Blue, I think Syracuse is going to pull out the upset, go to the Elite Eight. You you can never count out Syracuse as an 11 it seed. It might not be the same magic if you don't go back to Cancun to that yeah, same Yeah, you got to go to Cancun. I got Here's beach. the thing. I'm going to take a flight on early Friday morning to Cancun, go to the Grand Oasis Hotel, go down to the beach, find my girl who did my braid up the first time and say I need another one, take a flight back and catch the game. You should, you should tell Syracuse that they should fly you out for that. They should. I mean, if they're winning because that's of you. A, that's true. I should, yeah. you, know, you know, I should definitely contact you should be John Wildhack. Syracuse's sister. I should contact the athletic director, John Wildhack, uh, you know, who just so happens to be a fraternity brother of mine. Maybe he'll take that into consideration and send me down for free or something. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. Now, and, the la- and the last time you took Syracuse, they beat Clemson, so there's, there's that. Right. Hey, the I'm, last I'm, I'm on a good streak, so why not go two for two? I mean, yeah, you heard you heard what I was saying about the Bagley over-under. I just think Duke slaughters Syracuse. I, actually, maybe not slaughters, Whoa, but they're going to win. Wow, he's really backtracking. No, 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 no. I think Bagley drops. I think Bagley goes off, but I think that 50 there's a and chance. 50 for Bagley? Is that what you think? No, nah, like 70 and 100, bro. Okay, got it. But um, no, I think Syracuse, uh, I mean, I think Duke wins. I think there's a chance Syracuse covers, and I probably will end up picking Syracuse to cover but like and if we're talking money line here Duke's taking it all the yeah, way. Yeah, Duke's going to win this one. I don't I don't see any way they lose it. Awesome. So, that's just about all the time we have here with the post game. Live from WERW, another successful week here. March Madness Syracuse versus Duke coming up this Friday and that's a wrap guys. We'll see you next Monday hopefully with a Syracuse victory.